Hello, Bleeding Green Nation, and welcome back to another edition of Eye on the Enemy, powered by SB Nation and Bleeding Green Nation. I'm your host, John Stolness. You can follow me on Twitter, at John Stolness. And coming up, we are going to take a deep dive into the Minnesota Vikings, the team the Eagles will be taking on this Monday night in Week 2 of their NFL season. Of course, the Eagles starting off the season 1-0 with a stay-from-ahead win over the Detroit Lions last week, and uh, they get a tough opponent coming into Lincoln Financial Field for the home opener this week. So we'll take a look back at what the Vikings did when they beat the Packers last weekend. We'll take a look at some of the big matchups coming up here for this week, and no guest this week, unfortunately, um, but uh, make sure you're checking out everything over at thedailynorseman.com, which is the SB Nation Vikings site. They've got some good information up there if you want to hear what the Vikings writers are saying about Minnesota. Uh, but I as, as we look at this Vikings team and we get them ready, get ready to have them come to Philadelphia uh, this Monday night, this is a very good football team. This is a team that I picked to win the NFC North at the beginning of the season. And I saw nothing to change my mind in the game on Sunday afternoon against Aaron Rodgers and the Packers. The Vikings dominated them 23-7, to uh, went over some of the Uh, Some of the highlights from that game again here uh, in the last uh, day or two. And uh, one of the things you notice is just um, how much time Aaron Rodgers had to throw, but wasn't able to get the ball off or find anyone. And I think when we we look at the number of sacks that the Vikings got in that game, I think they finished with four or five sacks in that game. Uh, They didn't get to, they didn't overwhelm Aaron Rodgers in the pocket. A A couple of them are when Aaron Rodgers was, kind of on the on the move, trying to find somebody downfield, trying to get a receiver to break free. But without Devontae Adams, uh, he's basically relying on, on Randall Cobb to get things done, and Minnesota took advantage of that. Um, I, I do. Let's start off taking a look at uh, the Vikings' offense here because that, this is – this is the bread and butter of this team. They have a big three. They have Kirk Cousins, they have Justin Jefferson, and they have Dalvin Cook. I mean, th- those are three really good players. Kirk Cousins has just become a very stable quarterback. He has never won in the playoffs. He's He has trouble winning big games, but he does not have trouble beating the Philadelphia Eagles throughout his career. He has faced the Birds nine times combined with Washington and Minnesota, and he has a 6-3 and three record against the Eagles with a 67.1% passer rating, a 21-6 to touchdown-to-interception ratio, and he has a career quarterback rating of 104.9 against the Eagles, and that'll play. Last week, he was very good against Green Bay. 23 of 32 for 277 yards, two touchdowns, no interceptions, and a 118.9 passer rating last week against the Green Bay Packers. Kirk Cousins gets the ball out quickly. He knows what to, he knows how to move around in the pocket. He's not a guy who's going to break and, and get a lot of yards on the run, but a couple of times in the game against Green Bay, moved around, shifted around in the pocket to buy himself some extra time and find his receivers downfield, mostly finding Justin Jefferson downfield. He went off in this game against the Packers on Sunday afternoon, as you well know. We'll get into Justin Jefferson a little bit more specifically here in just a minute. But uh, you have Adam Thielen back there who can still catch a couple balls here and there, but it really was the Justin Jefferson show uh, in Week 1. Once the Vikings got the lead, and it seemed pretty clear that Green Bay was not going to be able to mount a comeback, they rode Dalvin Cook in the second half. I think Dalvin Cook might be the most underrated running back in football. One of my bold predictions coming into the season was that Dalvin Cook would lead the NFL in rushing yards this year. That may not happen, but he did run the ball 20 times for 90 yards last week. So he also added another 18 yards on three catches too. So he's a little bit dangerous out of the backfield. 
I think what you see from Dalvin Cook is a very shifty runner, and um, this, again, is going to be a big matchup uh, coming up on Monday night, and I'm going to get into that a little bit more in just a second, too. Uh, I think one of the overarching storylines coming into this game is momentum. Will Minnesota suffer a letdown following a big opening week win against the division rival Packers? Because when you play the division rival, a team that you know you're gunning for, a team that's gunning for you, they're in your division, and now you got to go on the road on Monday night football to take on an Eagles team that's in your conference. And, you know, this is, I don't know if this is a, a heated rivalry between these two teams. The, the Vikings and the Eagles have played each other since that NFC Championship game where the Eagles blew them out in uh, at the end of the 2017 season. And the Vikings have gotten their revenge. Kirk Cousins has had good games against the Eagles in a Vikings uniform a couple seasons ago. Uh, specifically, the Eagles went into Minnesota and, and had a real rough time. So uh, these teams have played since the NFC Championship championship game but I don't think the the, the Vikings look at the Eagles uh, as a uh, as a bitter enemy or anything like that and so you wonder if maybe there's a little bit of a letdown from the Vikings heading into this week against the Packers you know I mean heading into this week against the Eagles having just played the Packers that's a a big emotional victory and now they got to go on the road and take on an Eagles team that should be pretty fired up now the other side of that coin is are the Eagles too fired up playing at home and they get a little bit ahead of themselves we saw last week in Detroit they got off to a red-hot start, really rode the crowd, and then lost the momentum, and uh, that can happen sometimes. So I think the, the Eagles might get off to a fast start, but then they've got to they've keep the foot on the gas. Um, one of the things that will be interesting when Minnesota comes to town here on Monday night is Jalen Rager coming back to Philadelphia, and he's been talking this week about feeling like he wants to get some sense of revenge. For what, man? What, what what is the revenge for? All of the opportunities you got and, and squandered? All of the different chances that Howie Roseman and the Eagles gave you that you didn't take advantage of? What are we getting revenge for? What what's <laughs> I'm just trying to figure out exactly what the Eagles did wrong for for you to feel like you need to get revenge. They they sent you to a really good team where you can try and make an impact and, and get into the playoffs. You know, it's not like they cut you and, and you had to go, you know, play for the, you know, uh the Texans or something. I mean, exactly what are we upset about here, Jalen Rager? Uh, he was given every opportunity last year to be a starter on this team, to be a productive player. Ever since he was drafted, the, the Eagles had every reason to make sure that they gave him every opportunity to succeed, and he didn't take advantage of it. So I'm, I'm struggling, I'm struggling, Jalen, to figure out exactly where the revenge factor <laughs> comes in here. Is it, is it to get back at the fans? Because were the fans unfair for expecting their first-round pick to you know, catch footballs and score touchdowns and be productive and, and not be a negative draw against the team on a, on a week-in, week-out basis? Is is that what the revenge is for? Because if if you can spell it out for me, I would really appreciate it. I, I think that would be helpful to me to know exactly why we need revenge in this game. Um, from an Eagles standpoint, uh, I think it'll be interesting to see how much how much Devontae Smith gets involved in the game plan this week. And what I don't want to see the Eagles do is force feed the ball to someone. If A.J. Brown continues to get open and you're moving the football by throwing it to A.J. Brown and Dallas Goddard and Devontae Smith is generally speaking not involved and you're winning football games and you're putting up 35 points, maybe at a certain point you look at it and you say, what's, what's going on here? Why can't we get Devontae Smith more involved? But don't force it. You don't force the ball to somebody just to just because he had no catches the week before and he's a former first round pick and he's he's really talented. Yes, you want to keep Devontae Smith happy, but my guess is Smith is also pretty happy winning football games that he wasn't that he wasn't upset 
with last week, and he's going to get his. There's no doubt about the fact he's going to get his. Teams might start to double and triple A.J. Brown if he continues to have more games like that, and that's going to open things up for Devontae Smith, and Jalen Hurts has to look his way, but it certainly it certainly looks like Devontae Smith is kind of the odd man out with with uh, A.J. Brown and Jalen Hurts. It kind of looked that way during training camp quite a bit, but it doesn't matter if they're winning. It doesn't matter if they're winning, and they absolutely should not be force-feeding anything to Devontae Smith just in order to get him some action. All right, I've uh, I've taken a look at three big matchups to watch this weekend for the Birds as they as they take on the Vikings, and I, I think the obvious matchup is with Justin Jefferson. And I, I have it Darius Slay against Justin Jefferson, but I don't know if Darius Slay is going to shadow Jefferson or if uh, it'll be Bradbury on some snaps. Uh, if they're going to try and line him up against Devontae Maddox, that would be a mismatch, but uh, they've got to double Justin Jefferson whenever they can. You saw him running around wide open in the Green Bay secondary last week. It's impossible for me to understand how that happens, but I, I think what you can't, what you cannot do is play back on Justin Jefferson and give him all kinds of room to move. And that's what we saw from Jonathan Gannon's defense last week. We saw the same conservative playing off of receivers so that they don't, so that they they get off the line free and you let them you let them get into their route. They don't want to get burned deep. But we saw with Justin Jefferson, he wasn't getting behind the defense. He was just taking advantage of all of the room underneath, in between the the, the secondary. And that's not that's not going to be a recipe for success for Jonathan Gannon and this Eagles defense because Jefferson went off against coverage like that last week for nine catches, 184 yards, and two touchdowns. So this is, if Devontae Adams is the best receiver in the National Football League, Justin Jefferson is number two. Could have been an Eagle. But you have A.J. Brown, so I guess it all it all kind of worked out. But uh, here you have Justin Jefferson, the second-best receiver in the NFL coming in. Now, I will say the rest of the receiving core uh, is, is not it's not as robust as it used to be. Um, for sure, Adam Thielen is still around. He caught three balls for 36 yards uh, last week. Um, but, uh, you know, there, there's... There's not a lot else out there. I mean, you don't have a, a big-name tight end that that you have to worry about here with, with Minnesota. Irv Smith Jr. is the starter. He he caught a few balls last week, but, uh, you know, he he didn't make an impact. Actually, no, Irv Smith didn't catch anything, only two targets. Uh, it was uh, K.J. Osborne outside of Jefferson and Thielen. Uh, you have uh, the number three receiver is K.J. Osborne, and, and they have Jalen Rager listed on, on the depth chart as uh, either the number four or the number five. Another Jalen, Jalen Naylor, is also listed on their depth chart as as running as wide receiver four or five. So, um, you know, outside of Jefferson, it's not the strongest receipt wide receiving group in the league, but... Jefferson is so good that it really doesn't it really doesn't matter all that much. And you do and you have Dalvin Cook that you have to worry about um as the running back and he's a guy who can put up 100 on you last week. Um so again, it's going to be the the big matchup here is going to be how do you deal with Justin Jefferson at wide receiver? How does Darius Slay match up with him? Does he does he play him one-on-one? Do they play man? Do they do they play some more uh zone and and try and mix and match it? My my worry is is Jefferson is going to go off in this game, and the Eagles secondary won't have any answers for that. Um, and that leads me to my second big matchup to watch, and that's the Eagles' defensive line against the Vikings' offensive line. Um, earlier in the offseason, I was uh, ranking the Eagles' position groups, and I took a little bit of heat for where I had the Eagles' defensive line. I, I wrote this in, in mid-July, and... 
obviously at this point they they hadn't finished completing their team. They still had to add um, Chauncey Gardner Johnson. Um, so I had safety as as the the lowest here. But um, I had defensive line down near the bottom because I had concerns about this unit coming into the season. Brandon Graham we knew was coming back, but while that was an important addition, he's pretty old for a defensive end. He's so I don't I didn't know exactly how much he had left in the tank. Um, Javon Hargrave, he's a kind of an up and down guy. He got off to a red hot start last year, but was very slow this season. But was and then in the middle of the season, end of the season, really slowed down a lot. Fletcher Cox clearly lost a step. Um, Hassan Reddick looked terrible. Last week, it just looked like he didn't have any juice at all. Derek Barnett's now out for the season, and I didn't think he was uh, all that uh, all that good to begin with. And, and you've got Josh Sweat, who we all keep talking about as this breakout guy, but he doesn't play consistently. He's not a consistent producer. And Jordan Davis, just as has been talked about all week, needs to be on the field more, specifically in, in run situations. And we, we've heard a lot about scheme uh, with Jonathan Gannon this week that uh, some some of the um, some of the schemes that that he put out there uh, with with four man fronts and and you know not gearing up for the running game um, at Detroit continued to hammer them with the running game uh, play after play after play. Um, I don't think you're going to see that with Minnesota because they do want to get Justin Jefferson involved. But this defensive line, if they want to give their receivers, if they want to give their cornerbacks a chance, they've got to get to the quarterback. They have got to find a way to get some push on the Vikings offensive line and the offensive line for the Vikings is, is a pretty good one. You've got uh, Christian Darasaw left tackle. Who's pretty good. Ezra Cleveland, Garrett Bradbury is the center Ed Ingram, Brian O'Neill. Those are, that's a, that's a pretty good offensive front. Uh, they're going to run the ball really well. They're going to protect Kirk Cousins pretty well. But this Eagles defensive line, they have spent so much money on this defensive line. They, they have got to break through. They have got to figure out a way to get to the quarterback. Hassan Reddick has got to get to the quarterback. Brandon Graham has got to get there. You have got to get that interior push from Hargrave and Fletcher Cox and Milton Williams. And maybe Jordan Davis a little bit in there too uh, in some passing down situations. But if they're not getting in cousins face cousins will pick them apart with Justin Jefferson, because you can't expect your cornerbacks to stay with Jefferson forever. So this is a problem that the Eagles need to solve. They need to figure out this defensive line. They need to get to the quarterback. They need to sack him. They need to get Kirk cousins off his spot. I did say he has a little bit of mobility in, in the pocket, but so he can shift around a little bit, but they've got to get their hands on him. They've got to get him to the ground. It is not something this defensive line has done nearly enough of uh, over the course of last year and so far through one week of the 2022 season. The other big matchup, the third big matchup, is the Eagles running game against the Vikings interior defensive line. We are going to see our old pal Jordan Hicks still playing uh, in the in the middle of the field at linebacker. Um, you've got Zedarius Smith, who is just a monster. He had a big game against the Packers uh, on uh, last Sunday. Uh, and Eric Kendricks can can play. Uh, Harrison Phillips can play. Uh, they play a three-four defense. Uh, does Minnesota, and so it's a little bit of a different look. Um, but uh, this is a this is a team where the a situation where the offensive line, the Eagles' running game, has got to do what they do. They've got to they've got to impose their will and uh, keep Justin Jefferson off the field. Now, I don't think this is going to be a run-heavy um, game plan for the Eagles, but. Um, if you look at what the Packers did last week against the Vikings interior, the, Pike, the, the Packers ran the ball really well. 
Um, A.J. Dillon ran quite a bit, even when they were behind. They, they were running the ball really well, but the Packers had to abandon it. But the Packers re- ran really well. Uh, Johnny Page did a, a story on this for BleedingGreenNation.com this week, noting that the Packers did this really well from both 12 and 11 personnel. Now, the Eagles have a top three running game in, in the NFL, with Jalen Hurts also being a featured runner. This is a big advantage for the Eagles, and I think this is where they can they can really make a difference is uh, controlling the clock and, and eating up big chunks of yardage on the ground, whether it's with Jalen Hurts, whether it's with Miles Sanders, who had an excellent game, an outstanding game in week one against the Lions. Uh, continuing that, I mean, you might see a little bit more from Boston Scott. We saw Kenny Gainwell flash a couple of times in the game on Sunday. This Eagles team can run the football. They have to be able to run the ball effectively against the Vikings' interior line. And, and listen, every game Jalen Hurts throwing the football is going to be the most important development. How does he do finding his receivers? Uh, does he get Devontae Smith more involved? Does he get Dallas Goddard more involved? Uh, does it continue to be the A.J. Brown show? What combination of all those different guys uh, is Jalen Hurts uh, throwing to? Is he throwing the ball when he should? Is he tucking and running too early? These are all going to be questions that are going to be weekly questions uh, for Jalen Hurts. But in this particular case, as, as I watch the Packers run the ball so well against the Vikings, the Eagles can do the same thing. And that's how you can keep Kirk Cousins and Justin Jefferson and Dalvin Cook from hurting you is by keeping those guys on the sidelines and having some nice long drives. So uh, those are three big matchups I think that we need to be watching course, the cornerbacks on Justin Jefferson, specifically Darius Slay, the Eagles defensive line against the Vikings offensive line, uh, getting pressure on the quarterback, and then, of course, the Eagles running game against the uh, interior of the Vikings defense. All right, so those are the matchups, and you want a prediction. Of course you want a prediction. Um, I wish I could say that I felt like uh, the Eagles are going to win this football game here on Monday night, but I, I think this is a tough one for them. Uh, I don't think the Vikings are going to suffer a letdown. I don't think they're going to suffer a hangover. I think this Vikings team is legitimately really good. I, I think this is a legitimately good Minnesota squad. I think Kirk Cousins has this team's number. Uh, I'm ju- I'm fearful of Jonathan Gannon's defense against Justin Jefferson and Kirk Cousins. I have absolutely zero confidence in Jonathan Gannon. I would replace him tomorrow without question. I don't think he can I don't think he can coach defense at the NFL level. I've seen let me put it this way. We have seen nothing from Jonathan Gannon. Nothing that would lead us to believe that he can be a successful defensive coordinator in this league. Nothing. And he has the talent now to do it. We also saw I think some of the conditioning issues pop up with the Eagles here uh, in their week one game defensively. They were exhausted because they can't get off the field because Jonathan Gannon plays a weak defense that plays all the cornerbacks off of the receivers, which makes it difficult for the defensive line to get to the quarterback in time. The quarterback can get rid of the ball quickly. They can keep completing seven, eight, nine, ten 10-yard passes all the way down the field, making it impossible for the defense to get off the field, allowing offenses to sustain long drives, meaning at the end of the game, they are absolutely wiped out. They've got nothing left. And it's crazy with as, as much as the Eagles swap guys in and out, all the rotations that they have, especially on the defensive front, that they were that tired that they could could not get to the quarterback. They could not get to Jared Goff last week in Detroit. It's extremely, it's extremely worrisome to me that this defense cannot generate pressure under Jonathan Gannon without blitzing. And I don't want this team to blitz their heads off. 
They've got to be able to get pressure with the front four. If you got to bring a blitz every once in a while, that's fine. To mix things up, to keep the offense off their toes. If one week you want to have a game plan where you're blitzing a ton just as a surprise, I think that makes sense. But you have got to be able to get consistent pressure with the front four. Brandon Graham, Fletcher Cox, Jordan Davis, uh, Milton Williams, Javon Hargrave, Josh Sweat. Those guys have to get to the quarterback. Hassan Reddick has to get to the quarterback. That's why you're paying these guys all this money. But in order to help them, Jonathan Gannon, you have got to get in the receivers' faces. You've got to move the cornerbacks up. You cannot keep giving these guys six-yard, seven-yard completions so that they continue to have second and three, third and one, every single possession so that they're just they're mounting these long drives. I, I would rather a team hit a 70-yard bomb, frankly. Because it gets the defense off the field and gets the offense back on the field. That's honestly, most of the time, that's what I would rather see. Be, because you're not, you're not generating any turnovers this way. You're not generating any sacks this way. This is the same vanilla crap we saw last year with Jonathan Gannon's defense. And it can't continue if this team's going to win. If, you're, if you, if you want to keep teams from scoring as much as the Lions scored last week, if you want to keep teams from, from staying on the field, offenses from staying on the field that long, you've, you've got to force the issue a little bit here, man. So we'll see what Jonathan Gannon does against a very good Minnesota offense. I think this is a, I think this is a really good Minnesota offense with Justin Jefferson. I, I don't know, even as good as the Eagles cornerback trio is, I don't know that Jonathan Gannon sets these guys up for success. I think this is one of the best cornerback trios in the NFL. If any cornerback trio can shut down the Minnesota passing game, it should be the Philadelphia Eagles. But I'm just not convinced Jonathan Gannon is going to give them the game plan or the scheme to get it done. So I have the Vikings winning this game. Uh, I think it's going to be a good game, uh, but I do think this is going to be a game the Vikings end up winning in the end. I don't know if it's going to be a late score necessarily, uh, but I think it's going to be something along the lines of uh, uh, 28 to 23. Uh, Vikings win on Monday Night Football uh, in, in Philadelphia. It'll be kind of a disappointing start, but again, if I'm an Eagles fan, I'm not getting too worried necessarily. The Vikings are a really good team. I think the Eagles will drop to 1-1, one and one, and then they'll get... Uh, uh, they'll get back on the winning on the winning track after that. But, you know, you're going to lose some of them. I think this is one of those ones at the beginning of the offseason that uh, when the schedule came out, I looked at this one and thought, eh, this could this could be a loss. Minnesota and Kirk Cousins, generally speaking, plays the Eagles pretty tough. All right, folks, that's going to do it for this edition of Eye on the Enemy. Thanks so much for sticking with me here this week. Next week, we'll have a guest on to uh, give us a deep dive into the next Eagles opponent. But um, for right now, we hope you enjoyed this episode of the podcast and want to invite you to check out all of the other great Bleeding Green Nation podcasts that we have to offer. Um, listen to all of them, download all of them, and make sure to continue to read BleedingGreenNation.com on your computer screen or your telephone computer every single day. Thanks, everybody, for tuning in. I'll talk to you next time right here on Eye on the Enemy.